0: Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at our website, horrormakesushappy.com. Before we get started, this is the trigger warning. This is a horror podcast. We'll be talking about horror things, horror culture, and horror stuffs, which could involve sensitive subjects such as child abuse, F-bombs, the R-word, the T-word, the Z-word, and the word. That's a letter that you humans don't know about. Anyway, that out of the way. (laughs) Steve, what do we have coming up?
1: Oh, lots of stuff. Uh, the guest list keeps bouncing between 10 and 12 uh, people penciled in, so we won't go through that uh, at the moment. But um, let's see what we Did we get we a response about? from
0: Doug Bradley's people yet?
1: Not yet, but I did send ah. a reminder. Soon. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> excuse me uh let's see we've got discord we do listen parties on Mm -hmm. uh sundays at 7 p.m and 9 p.m uh eastern we do a listen party where we listen to um and chat about an episode of our podcast along with Mm -hmm. anybody who wants to join us and then at nine o'clock chris does a drawing party or art party where he live streams himself um drawing for his webcomic pieces Speaking of which, his webcomic Pieces, at Piecesofflesh.com, uh, is a, a necromantic cannibal
0: family, mm-hmm.
1: I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Yeah. Um, we got my book, A Guide to the Recovery Toolbox, which is available on Amazon, Smashwords, Lulu, all kinds of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, but What's today's guest. Hmm?
0: was the code for the book?
1: Probably won't be active anymore since <sighs> this is going to air after, uh, after that has ended.
0: Oh, but it had 69 in it, and every time you said it, I said, nice, I can't do that anymore. (laughs) Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) Well, you just did. Okay, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, our guest for today.
1: Yes, uh, Mr. Edward Flora, author of The Triangle Forest and Ropes in the Attic. Welcome.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Our pleasure. I don't know how much of the theme of the interview we discussed uh, beforehand i did give you a little bit of a handout at StokerCon, con which is i think is where i met you uh but the general theme of this is we talk about what it is that you have loved with the horror genre from childhood through adulthood and then talk about any common themes that keep coming up but that that said it's not meant to be a therapy session so if there's anything that you don't want to answer you just say pass and we'll move on but um starting with childhood what are some of your earliest memories of scary things
2: oh wow um uh, well I was actually talking to my girlfriend about this pretty recently, but one of my earliest memories was I had this moment of sleep paralysis when I was younger Mm -hmm. and it's never happened since, but there was this one instance where I was younger, maybe like eight, seven or eight years old. And I just remember like a face like next to my bed as I was sleeping and I couldn't move. And it was kind of like a nondescript like pale face. But it was just hanging out there, you know, just watching. It was very weird. (laughs) And it was oddly small. (laughs) It wasn't like, you know, a human face. But yeah, uh, that was like one of the earliest things that I can remember of like something that scared me.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that's a different take on the uh, dark figure sleep paralysis. I was going to ask, was it a disembodied head? But it was like smaller than a normal head too, right?
2: Yeah, it was smaller and it was like kind of peeking over like the side of of the bed. So, you oh, know, if like right. you're laying there it was kind of like, you know, uh coming from the floor and I kinda of like
3: oh my God, this, this not mm.
1: Yeah. Uh well on the other hand, glad to hear that that his is this is not continued through last <laughs> <laughs> yes. that uh, that could make things a little uh, less comfortable. Um, anything else jump out to you uh, from childhood, maybe uh, books or stories or movies?
2: Uh, well, there's one scene. So uh,
1: to preface
2: uh, in childhood, I was a little bit sheltered, so I didn't really have early exposure to like horror movies and things like that, but I did find a way.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I do remember the first nightmare on Elm street film. Okay. Uh, I think it was Tina's death scene specifically with Freddie in the alleyway and, you know, uh, with his arms like stretching out and kind of like, you don't really see exactly what he is, but the silhouette,
3: mm-hmm.
2: that was like one of the earliest things that I'm like, oh my God, that's <laughs> very creepy, you know? Mm. And, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn where there's a lot of alleyways and stuff like that. So kind of walking mm-hmm. home and like that sort of thing, I'm like, is there something like in the alley? You know, that sort of thing.
0: Great yeah stretch Armstrong, freddy is truly a thing wow. to behold
2: yeah um, i'm like this is weird
1: <laughs> stretching reality as well as his arms yeah mm-hmm. some of our guests have reported sort of a dividing line where prior to the dividing line they were afraid of horror and then after that dividing line they were now uh, a fan of horror or excited or or found joy in that um these two things that you just mentioned, were they both like fear or wh- where was that dividing line from you? Where, where did that come, come in or was that not? until yeah, later?
2: I think definitely fear to start out with,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I had an older, so we kind of lived in like a three family house, a uh, three story walk up. And so mm-hmm. I had an older okay. cousin who was like eight years older than me and he lived on like the third floor. And so he was kind of like my gateway to, you know, horror and like good music and things like that where i didn't really have access to that so i think the dividing line was uh, kind of that um the original it film i think it came out when i was very young um mm. and the way it was spoken about in my family it was like the scariest thing of all time and so i hadn't seen it until later in life but i just remember as a kid thinking like oh my god like i should never watch this because this is <laughs> Terrifying, you know the way it's spoken about in my family. Hush tone. Pennywise the clown. It's like stuff of nightmares. Um. So, uh, I think you know, as a kid, just hearing it from word of mouth, just like how terrifying this thing is, and then like when I actually uh did watch it, I'm like, this is actually kind of just a fun movie. You know, he's a fun clown. Yeah. How old
1: were you when you saw it?
2: Honestly, you're like eighteen or nineteen, something like that probably
1: later oh, okay all right uh i will make a note to come back to that uh, a little bit later in the call so one of the other things that you kind of touched on is um family members being fans of horror so you mentioned your cousin was anybody yeah. else in your family a fan of horror
2: no actually not at all
1: <laughs>
0: okay
2: not uncommon yeah. yeah and to this day i'm still kind of the only one
0: <laughs> <laughs> thanksgiving's always fun i imagine why do you watch those crazy terrible movies
2: yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: Did you participate
1: in Halloween as a kid?
2: A little bit. You know, I dressed up here and there. Um, a little bit of trick-or-treating, but it wasn't like an elaborate celebration. Not like now. We have like decorations and things like that around the house, so it's, it's always fun, something to look
1: forward to. Did you have a favorite costume or at least favorite costume?
2: Um, I don't know about favorite or least favorite, but the most memorable I remember dressing up as Batman when I was in elementary school and I thought it was the coolest thing.
0: Okay. Nice. Yeah. Was it uh, like classic blue and gray Batman or black, it black was. Batman? Yeah. The classic. Yep. Nice.
1: Other than the sleep paralysis, did you have any scary dreams as a kid or reoccurring dreams?
0: I,
2: you know, a lot of dreams of falling, I remember this one dream specifically of you like know, driving on a bridge that was more like a roller coaster than a bridge, and just like that feeling of falling. And then being chased by bats. That was another one that I, <laughs> I had a lot.
0: Okay. But yeah. You don't by any chance to live on top of a cave, do you? Right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I am actually Batman. <laughs>
0: yeah. I knew it!
2: um but yeah as far as uh dreams or like sleep stuff like the paralysis moment was pretty much the one that stood out the most to me Mm. and i always took those other dreams as just like standard stuff you know Mm. just everybody has that feeling of falling or you know running slow like that sort of thing Mm -hmm. during dreams
0: oh yeah falling running slow teeth falling out apparently that that one is really common although i've never understood why
2: Yeah, yeah. That's one that was actually big in my family. Um, I come from an Italian background and apparently like broken teeth or teeth falling out. That's like a bad omen, like somebody's going to pass away or something like that. So that was always a fear of just like teeth things.
1: (laughs) I've read that it's a symbolic of a loss of power. Yeah. Yeah um let's see was there ever a time in real life when you were actually terrified of in real life as of something as a child
2: i don't think so well actually uh so i come from a pretty religious background um that's not really what i subscribe to anymore but i do remember my father specifically he would have like these pamphlets where it's like end times and like all that And i'm just like oh my Hmm. god like (laughs) you know this is kind of crazy like the apocalypse
1: is coming and you know i grew older and uh realized like this is kind of silly yeah I, I remember seeing those quite a bit when i was a kid too you find them in like uh laundromats and all kinds mm-hmm. of different places yeah uh, i'm like what
2: happened to you that you're <laughs> you know bringing this home like are you good
0: <laughs> <laughs> right oh your
1: father actually brought them
0: home
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: okay I wonder, was the fake dollar one around back then? Oh, that's more recent, isn't it?
2: Mm, that's not ringing a doll really. You know?
0: It's like a fake $20 bill, and you turn it over, and it's got this uh, pitch for Christianity on the other side. Like, or I think it's a million dollar bill, which makes it that much more believable.
1: <laughs> no, <right. laughs> I've seen a couple different denominations. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Did you... Um, flipping the question around, did you have any times in your childhood when you felt completely calm or safe or bliss?
2: Um, I would, I would think so. Um, there's none that really stand out to me specifically. Yeah. Um, I had a pretty normal childhood for the most part, aside from like the religious stuff, but you know, my parents really did their best to, like put me through good school and like, you know, make sure I had everything that I needed. So, you know, um, pretty standard stuff. There are definitely moments where, you know, uh, I probably did feel completely calm and safe because, you know, they did their best for me. So, uh, yeah.
1: Okay. Next two questions also are a pair. Going to start with the negative one so we can end on the positive. But do you remember the first person you hurt? So this
2: probably not directly hurt, but we had quite an imagination uh, growing up, especially uh, a couple of closer cousins. And we had like this small little backyard in Brooklyn where like our grandfather would do like you know carpentry work and like that sort of thing. So we came up with this like creature that lived in the backyard. We called it like the tar monster. And so we, a couple like myself and uh, my one cousin Mark, who's younger than me, we would tease my sister and say like the tar monster is coming to get you. And you know that wasn't really appreciated.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I wonder, had either of you seen a uh, creep show at a young age, maybe? Something with a raft in it?
2: Oh, right, right. Uh not at a young age. Uh that's another okay. uh thing that I saw later on in life, but
0: yeah. Same. I hadn't seen it until later. But, yeah, that is yeah. horrific. It's like, ah I got you and no <laughs> no you didn't.
1: <laughs> Do you remember the first person you helped? Uh,
2: I don't think so. That's yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I <laughs> <past>,
1: probably. <laughs> Not every question is going to land, we just ask cuz you never know and sometimes interesting answers come up. Yeah. Uh all right, moving into uh teenage years then, do you remember any particular scary stories or books or movies that uh impacted you during your teenage years? There was
2: one thing in my teen years and I this was in 2004, so I was like later teens, I was maybe 16, but bravo put out this list are uh, the scariest movie moments and so i think at this point i had already known about the shining and a few other you know standard uh films and books but this list was kind of like my guide to be like i need to look this up so mm-hmm. um the texas chainsaw massacre specifically uh i remember this was on the list and it was the moment when they went into the house uh, and he gets hit with the hammer and slams the door and all
3: mm-hmm.
2: that. Um, and I remember that has been burned in my brain ever since. There were a few others, like uh, Alien, the chest bursting scene, uh, 28 days later, just the atmosphere of the film, um, the mm-hmm. empty streets. That's something that for some reason stuck with me. Danny but, yeah, just, I don't know has a
0: way with themes, doesn't he? Yeah,
2: yeah. There was another film of his, uh, The Beach, uh, which wasn't necessarily horror, but, uh, yeah, the way I, it kind of... Do you remember that film?
0: Yeah, I, I um had never seen that until just recently. That's the one with Leo DiCaprio where they yeah. find the hidden beach, and, yeah, that's, like, a, a horrors of humanity story right there. Yeah. it seems, like, all fun, and it's, it's almost like uh, it reminded me of Hostel, in a way, where, like... Mm-hmm. Hostile the first half of the movie is like spring break, fun, stupid kids doing dumb things, haha, and then murder. Lots and lots of torture and murder. You know, I I saw that movie when it
1: first came out not knowing.
0: The beach? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. When
1: it's like that turn, we're just like, oh. Yeah, right.
0: Like it's it's not torture porn like hostile, like I was saying, but no, it does take a turn. Like it's like, you know, kids having fun and, and being kids and doing things that they're not supposed to, and then holy shit, people are dying. What's 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 happening?
1: Yeah, if I remember correctly, I went with a girl I was dating at
0: the time. Oh, oh, you that's a great, great date fun movie. movie.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> the whole yeah. love triangle with him and the chick who helped him find the island. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a great date movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> I mean, I can't talk. I, I took a girl to The Exorcist the beginning. So there's, there's that, you know, when, when Bricktop vomited flies, I, I think the <laughs> mood was ruined. <laughs>
1: You took the wrong girl then. You know,
0: it's her fault.
1: (laughs) Uh, So, (laughs) excuse me, going back to Edward, uh, what was it that uh, stood out to you about the beach? Just the
2: way it devolved at the end. Mm, Yeah. But, you know, what people could turn into, you know, I think that was scarier than any of the horror movies that I had just listed, just what people could do to each other.
0: When in yeah. desperate situation, yeah, it's an yeah. interesting develop of appreciation of horror. Like I, um, yeah. I didn't really start getting into you know uh, people being the real evil movies until later on in my adulthood. But to, yeah. to see that in your late teens or even you know, any teens, like, kind of opens that uh, that door of oh oh people <laughs> are shitty. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, 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 and even more so. I think it's interesting, something that you said a second ago about, um, you know, in a desperate situation, it's also, maybe not in that movie, but in real life, you know, the the question of it being a perceived situation too, because there've been times in my life where I have, um, I've moved around a lot and I've lived in New Jersey, just outside of New York, uh, Philly, Chicago, Milwaukee, and also in Florida. And when I was in middle school, I got into hip hop and also high school. And there was a lot of conversation at that time about the things that were being discussed in the hip hop lyrics, which was mm-hmm. in in some respects educational because people around the country could talk about what was going on local to them but one of the sort of downsides about the gangster rap part of it is that, and I wasn't aware of this in the moment, but it didn't become clear to me until later that I had moved from the New Jersey, New York, New Jersey area down to part of Florida. <clears throat> and when I got there, there were apparently some riots going on uh, South side St. Pete and people were telling me, Oh yeah, I don't go down there. It's dangerous. And to make a long story short, I wound up down there by accident. But I was looking around and I'm going, isn't
0: that bad? Yeah. I'm like,
1: compared to where I just came from, this, this is Mm. nice. You guys could have yards and your own houses and like there's space between the (laughs) houses. Like, like you guys got it good.
0: I mean, I I counted a full five seconds without a gunshot. This is not that bad.
1: Right. Uh, And so what, but that made, what that made me understand was the concept of perceived Danger, As opposed to maybe potentially, you know, real danger that, you know, the kind of the situation with the beach of, I, I don't remember the exact situation in that movie, but there, there could be that conversation between what is really a desperate situation and what is just a bunch of people who think they're in a desperate situation. You know what I'm saying?
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I see that a lot in such situ- in like Lord of the flies asks situations like that, where people just. They go from one to eleven way too quick. Like it's well, not that bad. You can see now
1: Lord of the Flies, I it, it's kind of funny because I was gonna bring up is it the Mist or the Fog, the Stephen King movie?
0: Oh uh, um, yeah, the ending. Yep. Well another, but here's the thing situation.
1: Well, but here's the thing. So in both cases, both with that and Lord of the Flies, in in a way, that's kind of a bad example because as far as the people in that in those stories were as far as those those characters were concerned, it really was a bad situation. They didn't know that they were gonna get out of okay. that alive true you know what i'm saying and that well maybe that's that is kind of what i'm saying but also with both of those stories as the viewer who has uh more of a viewpoint than the characters inside like we kind of know after the fact that you know the the kids for example on the island got saved or whatever but yeah i'm kind of talking in circles here i feel like i, mm-hmm. I think you, i think i've made my point this
0: Point, point made. Yes. Yes.
1: Uh, okay. So, Texas Chainsaw, Alien, Twenty Eight Days Later, anything else jump out to you in your teenagers?
2: As far as movie, uh, yeah, movies, books. Um, that was pretty much it. Um, like I said, other things I kind of discovered a little bit later in my twenties. But as far as my teen years, I would say music had a big influence on me. That's like cool. you mentioned, getting into hip hop in the early two thousands. I was getting into uh, metal uh, death metal metal core like that sort of thing specifically like the myspace stuff mm-hmm. i don't know if you guys have heard of like you know job for a cowboy um things like that uh also on the death metal side the like carcass and cannibal corpse like that sort of thing so mm-hmm. i was going from like you know the beatles and the doors to to that <laughs> and so the transition for me it kind of did something similar to, like, watching a horror movie would do, um, especially the way the vocals would be, where it's this kind of, like, guttural, monstrous vocal style. First, hearing that, it's like, oh, my God, this is terrifying. But mm. there was something, like, cathartic about it to kind of not really, not necessarily relate to, but just consuming this media. It was like, oh, this is cool. I, I kind of like this, you know, darker form of of music. Hmm. So I think as far as teen years, I was pretty influenced by that stuff. You know, I started playing guitar, starting my own bands, that sort of thing. Um, and so I think, you know, metal music and horror are kind of parallel in that regard. Definitely. Yeah. I think I was pretty influenced by that stuff as well, especially in my teen years.
1: Hmm. I can relate. I, um, I didn't get into, how can I say this? I, My father played guitar, and so we listened to things like the Beatles and Hendrix and stuff like that, Zeppelin, growing up. And I did eventually end up learning how to play guitar after I graduated high school was when, um, I think maybe my senior year was when the Black Album could come out. Ah. Actually, my senior senior year was amazing because like… 10 different great albums had all dropped yeah. within like a, a two year period. It was like, like Nine Inch Nails, yeah. uh, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains, Metallica, uh, shit, Soundgarden. I'm yeah. trying to think of what else. Like there's, there's like a series of, oh, tool, I mean, just like yeah. amazing shit yeah. after amazing shit, after amazing shit for a solid two years. And, um, and. It was kind of funny because I had a friend who was very much into Metallica in the 80s and early 90s, but I didn't like it until early 2000s. Uh, Metallica had put out a box set called Live Shit, Binge, and Purge, where it was they recorded. <laughs> yeah. So they it was a uh, concert footage where they were playing all their old music, but using the new tone of the Black Album. And Ooh. that's when it clicked for me because I, I liked the tone, the, the, the timbres of the instrument instruments on the black album, but I didn't really like the sound design of the earlier albums. And when I was able to hear the older songs with that new sound, that's when I was like, oh, that I like. Um, and cathartic was a good word for it because that's what I kind of picked up on too, was that it was very energetic and there were, it's kind of funny. There were certain hip hop songs, particularly in the early nineties that had that same, um, cathartic feeling, particularly Paris break the grip of shame. I remember, uh, just brought something out. There was just like, raw kind of energy. Um, uh, let's see. So teenage years, did you participate in Halloween in the teens? Um, I don't
2: think so, to be honest with you. Um, I think my senior was, yeah, uh, I think I was mostly focused on music at that point, you know, getting through high school. Mm -hmm. I was very much at that point in my life looking forward to college and kind of doing my own thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, I don't think I was really thinking about, you know, Halloween and that sort of thing.
1: Right. Not uncommon. Not uncommon. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I owe you a Coke. (laughs) Let's see. Did you have any really scary dreams or reoccurring dreams as a team?
2: No, uh, I didn't really dream as much uh, as a team.
1: Okay, we'll do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, ever a time in real life something terrify you as a team?
2: Um, let me think. Yeah. Again, I don't think so. Um, my team years were pretty standard. Okay. Um, aside from like, you know, the high school stuff, um, which like, you know, a lot of people do with that too, you know, high school being a difficult time yeah. with, you know, trying to keep up, trying to find yourself really, um, and then just kind to bullies and like all that stuff. So, you know, um, nothing that really stood mm-hmm. out.
1: Okay. Yeah. Was there ever a time in your teens when you felt completely calm or safe or bliss or a moment that stood out to you? no
3: <laughs> yeah, definitely
1: <laughs> not let's talk about some of the movies that you brought up in terms of like emotional impact because some of the things that you mentioned like chest burst seeing an alien mm-hmm. maybe that's excitement uh 28, 28 28 days later the empty streets maybe that excitement's not the right word for that what would you say might be a good descriptive word for how you felt about that
2: well for 28 days later that one definitely gave me a feeling of impending doom, especially to bring back, you know, the stuff with family and, you know, the end of days type narrative. Mm. Um, seeing that film really gave that a face because until I saw that film, I always just saw, you know, these pamphlets or, you know, um, different messages that like printer would say or that sort of thing and then i saw 28 days later and i was like oh god like this is you know what they're talking about mm. and then you know obviously i don't subscribe to that narrative but when i was younger and still transitioning and like finding myself uh and what i believed in um, mm. to see that it really put a face to that narrative
1: okay just to be clear the way that you use the word transitioning there
2: transitioning into what I believe. Got it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like us. Uh, well, uh, atheist. You
1: know, okay. So, yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure there wasn't some other part of your life. That was a like, big part of your life that we were missing. Uh, out on. Uh, fair enough. Fair <laughs> cause, enough. cause that could definitely, uh, introduce body horror if nothing else. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. let's see. I think that covers all the teenage stuff too. um, so yeah, that quick. yeah moving through into the adult years then so what are some of the you mentioned um it other than it anything else stand out to you um as impactful during your adult years
2: john Carpenter's the thing okay that
1: one your body horror
2: yes exactly <laughs> um that one's become a favorite of mine easily yeah. Um, and just a lot of Stephen King, um, since, you know, uh, adulthood, just trying to read as many Stephen King books as possible, okay. you know, getting more familiar with the slashers, you know, Halloween, those films, um, what else? Um, I would say other books too. So Thomas old, Huyvel, um, he put out a book called hex and that book has had a tremendous impact on my writing as well. Um, not since Stephen King uh, have I read a book that I'm like I would like to emulate this. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean.
1: What was the name? Thomas.
2: Thomas Old Um He's a Dutch uh, writer, and the title of the book is Hex. Hmm.
1: What's that about? Other um, than obviously no. a
2: hex. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> a yes, witch this. haunting like this small town, um, and there's nothing the, any of these people could do about it. They just need to kind of coexist with this witch, but you know, that doesn't really work out that well because you know, people going about their lives, different personality types deal with this in different ways. So it's very cool to see again, like kind of the um, devolving of human nature mm-hmm. <laughs> by the end of this book, um, just because of, you know, disagreements of how this is to be dealt with. Um, so very cool book, very well written.
0: Okay. Yeah, I don't know why, but just off the top of my head, the first thing it reminds me of is this great show that I'm waiting for season three now, I think, on um called From, if you've seen it.
2: I haven't heard of that, actually.
0: It's about a town that's cursed and people that enter the town are now trapped in the town. They can't get out. Whenever they drive out, they just end up driving right back in on another road. Mm. And, uh, Just kind of similar to the story, what it sounds like with Hex, where they have a thing that no one can do about in this town. And they just, they kind of try to cope or, or deal with it. That's cool. I'm going to check that out. It's very cool. I might check out Hex.
1: Mm. (laughs) John Carpenter's The Thing um, Mm. might also be a case of devolving of human nature. Um, Mm. Is that the primary? Yeah, right. Is that the primary thing for you? Or is there something else you get out of that?
2: That is definitely one of them. For me, it was the isolation Okay. just being out there and like having things go wrong and not really having a means of escape. Mm-hmm. So that for me was pretty terrifying. And actually on that note, um, I do want to bring up 2001 space odyssey cause that's another one where like isolation is the you know scariest thing in that because, you know, things are going wrong, especially with like AI, this thing kind of taking over the ship and they're so far away from safety. It's like, there's no, you know, life vest, there's no way out of this thing. You're kind of just mm-hmm. trapped dealing with this thing, so um, I think that was another thing that I, I think is underrated in terms of you know te- pure terror.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And shout out to Stanley Kubrick for uh, yeah. being one of the few people that is 100% um, uh, what's what I'm looking for here? Uh, committed, legitimate mm-hmm. to how space actually acts. No sound in space. And that adds to the yeah the isolation of it in those, in those space scenes, there is no sound in space because there's no atmosphere. Yes. Spaceship engines and lasers going pew pew is cool, but in reality you would hear nothing, <laughs> right. but it does just add to that isolation. Every time there's a space scene or like the, uh, when, when how vents all the oxygen from the ship, it's like, it's fucking creepy. The silence. Hmm. All right.
1: What about Halloween?
0: Yeah.
2: Halloween's a big deal here. Um,
1: Actually, I was referring to the movie in this case.
2: (laughs) Oh, gotcha. Um, So, yeah, as far as the movie, I don't know. It's just like a fun slasher. Okay. As an adult, I was just kind of playing catch up with all the films that I hadn't seen as a teen. Mm. Um, So Halloween was one of them that really stuck out. Um, John Carpenter, again, I just feel like it was such a well-made movie. And the soundtrack is iconic. Mm. Love Halloween. Um, I liked the 2018 remake as well. I, I thought
1: that was that, very that well one. done. Yeah. Okay. Now we're talking about the the holiday. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Got it. Yeah, the holiday is just a lot of fun. We do, you know, horror movie marathons. We have, you know, our pumpkins and lights and things that we put up uh, around the house, and you know, it's uh, something to look forward to every year. Okay.
0: Did you also make the mistake this year of putting your pumpkin out way too early? I had pumpkin <laughs> soup by Halloween. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have. <laughs> <laughs> uh i didn't have any real pumpkins this year i had you know mm-hmm. the plastic ones uh so i didn't mm-hmm. have to worry about the spoils
0: that is a good idea that's that's what i replaced it with yeah you get a shovel <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh do you go to like uh any costume partners or anything like that or just hand out candy and that's it
2: yep pretty much uh we keep it mostly low-key
1: okay
0: cool
2: i do want to go to the pumpkin blaze though it's very close by to where i live i think it's in like uh, Sleepy Hollow, or something like that. That was a bucket list thing for me.
1: Pumpkin blaze?
2: Yeah, I think it's the Great Pumpkin Blaze. I think they just do like um, the lantern lights, that sort of thing. Oh, like,
1: uh,
0: okay. Yeah. So they don't just like get high and sit around pockets. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah.
2: different kind of blaze.
1: <laughs> <laughs> gotta say, the pumpkin spice is a—it's a, it's a Dune reference more than a. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Pumpkin spice must flow. Yes.
1: <laughs> uh, let's see. Scary dreams as an adult?
0: Uh, no, I really don't
2: dream all that much as an adult, which I guess is a good thing.
1: Okay. Uh, anything terrifying in real life as an adult?
2: Um, I will say there was one thing which actually partially served as inspiration for the Triangle Forest. I think this happened in like 2012, 2013. I was driving out to the Poconos, um, a group of friends. We were having like uh, a bachelor party out in the Poconos. So I was driving out there. And so it was middle of winter. There was a lot of snow and I lost GPS signal and my car got stuck. And uh, I really didn't know which way to go at this point because I had no GPS signal and I couldn't get my car out of the snow. I was, you know, back and forth, just trying to shovel and all this. And there was this, Kind of weird detour path, like which I could have taken, but it was kind of like on a downslope, and I couldn't really see where it led to.
0: Mm-hmm. This is how horror movies begin, you know.
2: Exactly. <laughs> so, I'm like, do I do it or do I try to get my car out and turn back around? So, I did end up just turning back around and, you know, getting out of there and finding GPS signal. But that moment where it's like, oh, I'm very stuck right now. Kind of got the imagination going of like, Mm. what's actually down there in that detour? You know, it was a good 10 or 15 minutes of, I don't know what to do right now. And so I think the isolation of that too was, it definitely stuck with me. because I was like, what if, you know, I was out here at night or what if I couldn't get my car out? That was pretty
1: scary. Like a real life thing. Mm. Understandable.
0: Yeah. Uh, You chose wisely. Yes. (laughs)
1: In this case, though, it didn't introduce any new fears. It just kind of triggered existing ones. I <laughs> guess. Uh, let's see. In any time in your adult life when you're completely calm or safe or bliss.
2: Uh Yeah, for sure. This was something that I've definitely worked on a lot as an adult. Mm. There was a moment specifically in late 2020. I took a little solo road trip from New York to Chicago. It wasn't anything major, but it was kind of the first time where I just kind of drove off on my own. Mm. And, you know, just the feeling of being on the road like that and not really having a plan, it was pretty exciting for me. And it kind of gave me, like, a lot of hope for, like, what I could do in the future. Because, you know, in 2020, a lot of people were down. uh, Things were, you know, you were there. Not going well. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that moment definitely gave me a little bit of confidence as far as, like, what I could do. So that definitely stood out for me.
1: Just kind of went on a solo road trip for With no, yeah. no destination in mind Yeah, just to kind of, you know, clear the mind And
2: see where the road takes me um, It did inspire another road trip Actually, uh, a year later My girlfriend and I, we actually drove From New York to Colorado And we stayed at the Stanley Hotel So that was awesome
0: Oh, awesome Yeah mm-hmm. uh, it? mm-hmm. Yeah, it's overlooking the movie the, the real name is the Stanley Hotel? Yes
1: I'm curious because this trip from New York to Chicago, if this was during COVID, uh, I'm guessing my first thought was, oh, that must have been nice because there would have been nobody on the road.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, this I've- was later. This was November of 2020. Okay. So things had eased up a little bit, but, you know, there was still, uh, you know, I had my mask, um, taking precautions and all that. Um, mm-hmm. But it was definitely an easy drive. Yeah. But yeah, things were open. I was still able to, you know, experience things, uh, dine out, all that, but, you know.
0: Well, I mean. but no, uh, no, no isolation in the Stanley Hotel. Shame.
2: Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this was October of 2021, okay. and everything was pretty much up and running at that point, but honestly, yeah. aside from being, you know, a bucket list destination for a Stephen King fan, the place is just beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: So, well, actually he kind of touched on what I was thinking, which, you know, New York, Colorado was 2021, but 2020, when you're doing this trip to Chicago, you know, my first, my, my first thought was about how nice and open the roads were. And then my second thought was about the potential isolation, um, or the fact that maybe you didn't, uh, feel it at that time, even in a moment where maybe I, maybe I would have, if I was in that situation, I don't know.
2: Mm, Makes sense
1: yeah i didn't really think of it at that time i
2: think Mm. at that moment we had been on lockdown for so long and then Mm. once things were kind of like eased up a little bit i think i was so like star crazy that i just had to like get out and like do something Mm. you know what Mm. i mean
1: so the next two questions i'm going to ask are not just about horror and it's not about your adult life or any particular moment in your life. But speaking of your entire life, what, what movie would you say you've watched more times than any other?
2: Possibly the shining Stanley Kubrick's the shining. Okay.
0: We were just talking about that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That was the first horror movie that I've ever seen. And it's just something that I've put on, I think at least once a year ever since.
1: As his tradition. Would you say that's your favorite horror movie is it just the one that you've seen most often? I think it's my favorite horror movie, either that or the thing. If we broaden that out to not just favorite horror movie, but favorite movie, is it still your favorite movie or is there something else that would take that spot?
2: Um, It's in the conversation, but I will say uh, the Truman show is up there too. That's another film that I revisit quite often and I just love.
1: What do you like about that?
2: Um, Well, Jim Carrey's great. And then just the end Uh, It's so hopeful, you know, him getting out. Yeah, I think it kind of plays into like the, you know, being trapped in a place because there are a few scenes where he's like trying to drive out and then like the parkways, you know, all the traffic and then they light it on fire trying to keep him to stay. So that that actually falls under the same category as uh, a few of the other isolation, isolation tropes. Right. But I just think it's a great movie. Um, I think that's one of his best performances absolutely
1: like you say it this one at least has a hopeful ending <laughs> <Yes>. yeah
2: <laughs> i do love planes trains and automobiles too that's another one that i frequent
1: what do you like just about plans. that one
2: that one's just a fun movie like john candy is like awesome every mm-hmm. scene is just oh uh, we were watching it the other day and each scene that came on, I'm like, "This is the best scene." No, this is the best scene. <laughs> I don't think any film makes me laugh the way that that one does.
1: Hmm. There are definitely two scenes that stand out for me on that one, and I'm sure you know both of them. <laughs> You're fucked. Yeah, that's being one of them. The other one is there about pillows. I just love John Candy clearing his throat before going to bed. Oh yeah, that too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. For like a half hour. Uh, (laughs) He's just like, okay. (laughs) I get it. Uh do you have a least favorite movie? Oh man.
2: That's a hard one. Um I may have to pass. I don't really think about that sort of ring too often, yeah. (laughs) Okay.
1: Normally at this point, this is where I would point out, you know, whatever common themes have kept coming up. Uh, mm. And then we could talk about that. I think the one thing that has been coming up the most, it has been um, the isolation and uh, devolving of, of human nature. Mm. But I also feel like, like this conversation has gone a lot faster than most of ours do. And I'm wondering <laughs> if uh, there's, there's sort of two ways to look at, being a fan of horror and for lack of a better way to put it uh, i would say maybe one is trauma based and the other is joy based mm-hmm. and it sounds like the like the vibe i'm getting from you is that there's a lot of joy but we haven't really talked about that a whole lot like
3: mm-hmm.
1: the the main thing that we have talked about is the things about the the you know the paranoia and the devolving of human nature and you know the end of days kind of thing mm-hmm. is there some aspect of horror that speaks to some sort of j- part of like joy to you, or am, am I um, off off on that?
2: Yeah, well, I think bringing it back to uh, Stephen King's it just the dynamic of the Losers Club, uh, the friendships. I think that story does friendship better than almost anything in any genre. Um, it really so does. It seems genuine. Yeah, like the nostalgia, I think that's definitely a source of joy for me, just seeing the way that those characters interact and like truly love each other. It's great. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you both feel about the, the new uh, IT films, uh, Chapter 1 and Chapter 2, but I like, I, I like them. Uh, I thought they were great, and I thought the casting was great, and seeing those characters interact really, it was special,
1: you know? I can't speak for Chris, but for myself, I would I would phrase it this way: that if the original it didn't exist, mm. the new ones would be pretty good. Yeah. But the fact that the original one exists kind of takes the other one down a just a half a notch because it's like
0: it's there's just nostalgia such factor. Well, you just, know,
1: not just yeah. that, but like Tim Curry is like like I can't remember Scorsguard <clears throat> Sk- Skor- Sk- Scorsguard, like he's Skursguard. good, but like tim curry i mean come on <laughs> like yeah. so it's, it's because no there's that it's hmm?
0: i said no contest
1: yeah uh it's it's only because there's the comparison like if the comparison wasn't there mm-hmm. it'd be great it maybe not yeah. great but like really good tough shoes to fill you know exactly yeah definitely
0: i respect to bill skarsgård because he can do that uh that that walleye uh, thing think, that, yes. that i can also do yes.
2: <laughs> it is very different <laughs> i feel like you can't really compare and I think that yeah. this happens a lot with The Shining, too, because a lot of people who yeah. love the book don't like the Kubrick film.
0: Yeah, and they left so much out, apparently, of The Hedge Maze and, and other yeah. such things.
2: Which, you know, I, I look at it as two different things. I love both. I love the film. I love the book. Yeah. But as far as a good film, like, I think it's one of the best films
1: ever made. I would be interested to see, like, a, a newer, I don't want to say remake, but, like, in the last 10 years movies have prior to the last 10 years, like if you got a movie, it was one movie and that's it. Like, but then you've got things like now Lord of the Rings is a trilogy. Uh, star Wars has three fucking trilogies. Like there's, (laughs) there's the concept Dune is two movies. Now there's the concept of having splitting up a story into, you know, something larger. And so for all the stuff that got left out of the shining, I would be interested to see if, if they made it into two movies, what would that be? Or if they had made it a trilogy, what would that be? Like, there's, but I think there's some potential there. Um, but
0: I mean, there's Doctor Sleeve, but that's not exactly a revisiting of the original story,
1: right? That's that's again just just one movie kind of thing. So I think if there's there might be potential there, but of course, there's always as is always the case, there's always potential to screw things up too. So no.
2: that's a cool idea, actually. Like to you know reboot the original film and then. You know, if we were to do a trilogy, like Dr. Sleep could be, you know, the third film, yeah. almost, you know, split The Shining into two um, to kind of explore, you know, the family background and all that. And then a second movie at the Overlook and then end it with
0: Dr. Sleep. Mike Flanagan, if you're listening, do it. Make, <laughs> make Dr. <Doctor> Sleep <laughs> the end book and then just make two prequel movies. Yes, <laughs> do it.
1: Uh, do you see any common threads about what kinds of horror you like? Cannibalism, occult, metaphysical?
2: Um, I do like sci-fi stuff. Um, You know, John Carpenter's the thing. And, you know, I grew up a big Star Wars fan. So moving into horror, when I started getting into that, I kind of liked, you know, Alien a lot. Um, The thing, like I mentioned, 2001 Space Odyssey, even though it's not really horror. um, Mm -hmm. There are things that are scary about that. I also, you know, like a good ghost story. I think it's classic. Um, I think... Those kind of stories are a good foundation for like character studies. Mm-hmm. A lot of my favorite books, like The Shining, they deal with how the characters are dealing with uh, you know the scary stuff that's going on. So I think books and movies with a good family dynamic uh, that yeah. always kind of sticks out to me.
1: You mentioned sci-fi, Star Wars, Alien, two thousand one. You didn't mention um, the other one that comes up a lot, which would be Event Horizon. I have not seen that yet. Really?
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's <is> on my <laughs> list. It's on my list, lots. but
0: I haven't. It's yeah. Good. Fun fact. If you're uh, a fan of the Warhammer 40k universe, it uh, is considered by lots of fans as kind of a fanfic of that universe. Cause you know, spaceship goes through
1: kind Gosh, of hell. What, yeah. Uh, all right. So going back to what we had mentioned a minute ago about the common themes, um, isolation and devolving of human nature um any idea why those things stand out to you as important topics shall we say
2: i mean we could go into uh the state of things right now and just Mm. the way people kind of behave in these kind of situations i think you know i don't directly seek those kind of themes out in my fiction but i do feel like because of that i am kind of drawn those kind of stories, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I'm just kind of fascinated with human nature. So when we have good characters like that, I think I'm naturally drawn.
1: Well, it's, I'm going to say this, the fact that you don't seek it out, but there are the thing, but these are the things that impact you uh, or, or, you know, hit a chord is almost, yeah, I'm trying to find the right way to say this, but it's almost beside the point that you don't seek it out. It's, it's the fact mm-hmm. that it, that it hits you when you do find it. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: I know that you mentioned the thing there about your father bringing home those pamphlets. And mm-hmm. but I'm wondering <laughs> if there's maybe some more background behind that other than that, that we haven't talked about. Um, I don't know if there, well,
2: actually, uh, so. Well, I don't remember how old I was at this point. I might've been an early teen. I might've been younger, but I went on this retreat uh, through like one of the churches that we went to. Like we were always jumping around to different churches. I guess my parents themselves were also trying to kind of find what worked for them, that sort of Mm. thing. But I went on this retreat and I think this was like a turning point for me uh, in my journey of figuring out that like I'm an atheist, but Mm. You know, um, when they do this, like, talking in tongues thing and then they, like, pray over you and then whoever it is, they, like, fall to the ground and they're, like, having an experience. And, you know, this is not to take away from people who, like, you know, if religion is their thing, if it means something to them, this isn't to, like, discount that in any way. This is my own personal experience with this. But I went to something like that when I was younger and they did the whole talking in tongues thing like with me and like praying over me and like all this and I'm a young teen and I'm like, I don't feel anything. <laughs> yeah, You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry, but like, I'm not overcome right now. So that was a moment where I was like, you know, uh, I think I have some questions that I'd like to ask.
1: I guess this is not for me.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I feel like I do kind of revisit that stuff, you know, in my own writing, because it's not really something that I've spoken to my parents about, just because, you know, like I said, they tried their best. They were kind of figuring things out themselves, so I don't really hold that sort of thing against them. They mm-hmm. just, you know, had my messages in mind. But I do like to explore that um, in my own writing. Um...
1: It's like trying a chocolate shake. I don't particularly like chocolate shake. It's, yeah, it's okay.
2: not for me. Not for me.
1: <laughs> so when you say that you visit visit this in your own writing, what part of this are you visiting? Just the idea of things not being for somebody or something? or
2: I guess kind
1: of, you know, people
2: following something, they can't really see something that's not really tangible. Because for me, I'm more of like, you know, I would like evidence for things more of like science-based type Mm -hmm. stuff. So there's a little subplot in the Triangle Forest where there's this group who kind of and think of like Stephen King the Tommyknocker as a thing out in the woods. It's like very alien, very mysterious. So there's this group in my novel and they kind of like follow this thing and they kind of like turn it into something that's not. They kind of like worship it. So I kind of take my experience from that retreat and I'm like, what if this was something alien? Like what if this was something tangible and, you know, they're worshiping it and they're kind of obsessing over it. How do we put the religious aspect into like the de- the devolving of like human nature? Because in the book people kind of throw caution to the wind and do anything to like follow this entity. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So why horror though? Um, And what I mean by that is some of Mm -hmm. these topics about, you know, people following something that they can't see or turning out to be something that you didn't expect. I guess in your case, what I was about to say is there are other genres that you could touch on those things. And the first thing that came to mind was sci-fi, but I guess, Mm -hmm. for example, this book that you just mentioned um, might be a combination of sci-fi and horror.
2: It is. Um, And to answer your question, like why horror, it's like, for me, I think, horror you could kind of do the most with there's a lot of creative liberty that you could take in horror that i mean you could take in sci-fi as well but i think horror kind of has a more visceral like exploration of people in a way that sci-fi it's more explaining like the science behind especially like hard science fiction Mm. so i think horror has a chance to be more personal with it.
1: Yeah, sci-fi is not usually as emotional about it.
2: Yeah, which I do like. It does have its place, and I do enjoy it. Like I've read, you know, the two thousand one Space Odyssey book, and then Rendezvous with Rama, also by Arthur C. Clarke. But it's not as emotional or character-driven as you know horror. Hmm. There's another one actually, um, the Andromeda Strain by Pratton, which was another early book that I read and there was one scene in particular that stuck with me and it's a scene where like this guy's blood was coagulated and mm. you know Crichton wrote it in such uh, a scientific way but just the image of <laughs> yeah, I'm sure did. you know uh, somebody's blood thickening to the point where it's like you know it's not liquid anymore
0: it's like oh mm. my god this is terrifying that man has a word with science, a way with science. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I'm going to have a word with science.
0: <laughs> peace of my mind. Listen here, science. <laughs> and another thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, Andromeda's train was great, though. I think I read a bit of the book. I, I saw the film. I don't know how close they were, but yeah, that was another uh, very effective scene in the film when they cut mm-hmm. that guy's wrist open and just yeah. dirt pours out. Yep.
1: <laughs> well, is there anything that uh, you've thought of during the call that might be relevant, but hasn't come up, or maybe something you thought of saying, and then the conversation took a left turn, and you didn't get a chance to say it?
2: I don't think so. I think we covered pretty much everything I had in mind.
1: Okay. We've had a good conversation. I think we came to some interesting stuff for you, I mean, in terms of both, uh, you know, historical background and, and what speaks to you and, and what you're exploring in your own work. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for your time and also say thank you to anybody out there listening. Come, please do visit us at Hormix. Try that again. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> uh Thank you for your time and thank you to anybody else out there listening. Please do come visit us at Horror mix Oh, you know what? Before I even do that, I forgot to give you a spot to uh, pitch what you're currently working on. Oh, so yeah. Why don't we do that ah, first? <laughs> <yes>. cool. cool. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm working on several projects,
2: obviously still promoting The Triangle Forest, uh, which is out on Audible as well. The audiobook is very cool. But, you know, working on three books right now, but the momentum is currently on this full horror um, story that I've been working on. I just finished the, uh, a first draft, so it's going to my editor in May. I don't think it'll be ready in time for a release for next year, but I'm pretty excited about it. I haven't really written folk horror before, and it's always kind of been a goal of mine to kind of create, you know, a fictional town, a fictional world. Like I'm a big Stephen King fan, so you know, Derry, Castle Rock, like mm-hmm. that's kind of what I aspire to be in terms of uh, an author. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of doing that now with this uh, new book. So I'm very excited to see where this goes. I am working on a couple of other things. I have another novel in works that's not supernatural at all, and that's the first time I've kind of done that. Um, that's okay. more of like a character study exploring, like, memory, memory loss, things like that. So mm-hmm. that's very exciting. And I have another one going that's kind of like dark fiction, a little uh, dark fantasy, a little bit like uh, The Dark Tower, Stephen King. So a little bit of, like... A little bit of everything. Yeah, like Mad Max meets the Dark Tower, kind of following a former race car driver, like an Indy 500 guy who is making his way uh, across the country for something specific, which I won't get into, but just kind of trying to touch on different genres within horror. So it's been fun. Yeah, keeping busy.
1: We will uh, put together a bio page for you and I'll get together with you offline to get whatever you want on the bio page and we'll include links to whatever you want. And that way uh, listeners can uh, come check out what you're doing because this, this actually won't air until next year. So they can check out the links and, and then catch up with what we what you're doing at that point perfect okay now <laughs> thank you for your time and thank you to anybody out there listening uh, please do come visit us at horror Makes us you can check out edwards uh, bio page and other things there's a link to our discord and uh, links to merch and all kinds of fun stuff like that support us on patreon or just tell a friend